Hello and welcome to the Fossil Huntress podcast. I hope you guys are all doing very well. Today on the show, we're going to head to the high peaks of Canada's Rocky Mountains along Western Canada's sedimentary basin. And here we'll see shales and thin bedded limestones and siltstones that record life half a billion years ago when arthropods ruled our seas. Charles Doolittle Walcott will be forever remembered for his extraordinary 1909 discovery of the Burgess Shales and the Walcott Quarry. So these are Middle Cambrian um, outcrops in Yoho National Park in southeastern British Columbia. Walcott delivered to the world one of the most important biota of soft-bodied organisms in the fossil record. And at the time that he found them, the Burgess was singular in its recording of life half a billion years ago. Since then, we've found some wonderful deposits in China, and I'm thinking specifically of the Chengjiang biota, where we're able to compare across the world and across the Cambrian different species. But at Burgess Shale, the most interesting thing about this deposit is that 98% of the fossils found here, of the individuals, are soft-bodied organisms. And generally, um, the soft-bodied critters, the squishy ones on the ocean floor, do not get fossilized. They're grazed upon or they disintegrate. But in this one perfect moment, a reef slid down and buried, and I'm sorry for their lost little lives, but buried these beautiful soft-bodied creatures in one go at the base of an escarpment. So we see a, an entire community represented, and we also see the um, percentage of the different genera, so we can see what a community would have looked like back then. So there's algae and grazers and filter feeders and scavengers and active predators all living in this community half a billion years ago. After making his discovery, Walcott wrote, nearly every fragment of shale found on the slopes from 2,000 to 2,600 feet above field, British Columbia, has fossils upon it. Not only fragments, but unusually entire specimens of trilobites. And it was for this reason that he returned the following year and every year thereafter, and as they say, is history. The sheer volume and level of preservation were unknown at that time um, in paleontology, and Walcott's material came from a single section on the west side of the ridge between Mount Wapta and Mount Fields. And it was collected in the main quarry that we now refer to as the phylopod beds and a smaller um, little quarry that we refer to as Raymond, which is about 23 meters above. The Burgess Shale sections occur in the lower two-thirds of the Mount Stephen Formation. So this is the um, basal or uh, lowest level of shales that abut against the steep face of the adjacent Dolomite Reef that we call the Cathedral Formation 
And it's this cathedral formation, this cathedral escarpment um, that would have slid down and created the wonderful preservation conditions that we needed um, to capture this snapshot back in time. For almost 70 years, we thought that the Burgess Shale was unique in its occurrence. And then in 1977, Canadian geologist Ian McIlreath found that the cathedral escarpment, or the reef front, could be traced for about 20 kilometers southeast of Walcott's original find, and that the contact between the reef and these basal shales cropped out again on Mount Field and Mount Stephen, uh, Mount Odery, Park Mountain, and Curtis Peak. This was pretty exciting news. And Des Collins, who you may know um, from the Royal Ontario Museum, speculated that more localities of these soft-bodied fossils might be found in these basal shales near the contacts of a few other places like Aiken and along the lines of the Cathedral Escarpment. And he was quite right. So in the early 80s, so in 1981-82, Des organized some field work that led to the discovery of about a dozen new localities, and he published on those. If you're interested in the references and reading about them, I'll pop a link um, to the blog post, and if you scootle down to the bottom, you can find those papers and give them a read, and you'll hear the excitement in those publications. So the most promising of these new localities occurred in a large in situ block of pale gray salacious shale about 1500 meters southwest of the outcrop of the cathedral escarpment. So this is on the north shoulder of Mount Stephen. And it's about five kilometers almost directly south of what we now think of as the main Burgess Shale quarry. So the site was excavated by a ROM, by a Royal Ontario Museum party in the summer of 1983. And then they went back and back and did more field work through the mid uh, 80s to about 1986. And we discovered many new species, including the arthropod Sanctacaris. So that was described by Briggs and Collins, so Derek Briggs and Des Collins, in the late 80s, about 1988. So for all of these newly discovered outcrops, we've collected more and more specimens, about 98% of which are soft-bodied, the squishy critters that do not fossilize particularly well. There have been several hundred thousand specimens collected and more than 150 species, new species written up. When we take a look at the spread of organisms and the spread of animals. We see the algaes and we see the, um, the sponges and the arthropods and we get to learn and gain an understanding of the biology, ecology, the diversity and the evolution of Cambrian animals at a time when we were experiencing the Cambrian explosion. So it's a wonderful moment in time to be able to take a look through 
and see who who's who and who was living in the zoo and not just the sort of hard part mineralized centric Cambrian deposits we see that are primarily just the trilobites and the other shelly fossils that tend to fossilize quite well. So what have we learned from all of these outcrops and all of this collecting? What was going on back in our middle Cambrian seas? From the specimens we've gathered, both in terms of the number of species and number of specimens, animals make up the majority of the community. And we see a few species of green and red algae. We see some micro microbial uh, colonies of these. And the most important groups by far are the molting animals with their jointed limbs, so the arthropods. And of course, the peripheras, the sponges. Most other groups are represented by fewer specimens and fewer species. So it was really a time when the arthropods and arguably the sponges ruled our seas. One of the other ways to understand ecological structure is to take a look at how each kind of animal or organism made a living. How did they get by? What did they eat? Um, what was their mechanism for moving or floating or capturing food? So in the Burgess Shale uh, communities, we see a lot of benthic forms. So these are animals that lived in or near the seabed. And benthic, and you'll see this in the, in the literature, benthic animals can be infaunal, which means living within the seafloor sediment. So they were kind of squished down in the mud. Or epifaunal which means they lived on the seafloor, sea but on the surface, so not sort of um, bedded down in it. And then we also see nectobenthic, which means that they swam close to the seafloor. So they um, were up in the water column, but not way up in the water column. They were mostly down along the seafloor. And then there's a few animals from the Burgess Shale that didn't interact with the seafloor at all. So these were uh, folks living entirely in the water column, and we call these the pelagic um, animals. And these were little pelagic swimmers that swam around making a living um, up in the water column. Another way of looking at a community, particularly a marine community, so we've seen those who live or are around the bottom and those who are up, the pelagics up in the ocean, in the water columns. Another way to look at animals is their mobility. So the nectobenthic and the nectonic organisms were active swimmers and the uh, planktonic animals mostly drifted about passively rather than sort of actively swimming. And some of the infaunal and epifaunal benthic, so these are the folks living at the bottom or kind of smushed into the mud on the ocean surface. These were sessile, so they were fixed in one place, while others were mobile and able to move around. So some we see leaving trace fossils for us, so the little trilobites scooting along the ocean floor, um, filter feeding uh, lovely little organisms from within those sediments. And we see their little marks on the seafloor and occasionally we see these as trace fossils. 
So there was a whole host of ways of making a living. Um, some were swimming and, and predating, so praying on their other little uh, community brethren. So it's a wonderful, wonderful way to view these communities. We still have much to learn and know from these Burgess Shale biota, and things are changing all the time, so there's been no end of mysteries and riddles to be solved, and some have been solved and some have shifted. Um, and how we designate and correlate our various units, particularly places like the Stephen Formation and the Burgess Shale Formation and the Cathedral Formation. Um, there's been a lot of controversy that stems from the extensive faulting in the region and um, where we've uh, referred to things in one way, we've split them apart or put them back together. So the Stephen Formation is now restricted to what used to be known in the literature as the Thin Stephen Formation. And the Stephen Formation itself now includes the Narrow and Waptuck members. So these were formerly referred to as the Thick Stephen Formation or the Basinal Stephen. And that is now called the Burgess Shale Formation. So the literature itself and our designations has changed over time. People still refer to the Walcott Quarry and the um, Philopod beds and the Raymond Quarry, but um, the literature has changed. The Burgess Shale is now a UNESCO World Heritage Site and you can go visit. You cannot collect there except with your camera and to make some rubbings of the fossils. I will put uh, a link in the blog post um, so that you can go there and do a guided tour. It's a bit of a hike, so you need sort of mid-level fitness to do it, but it is well worth these spectacular views. And you don't need to be super fit, but um, uh, go up a couple of, maybe do uh, 10 quick flights of stairs. And if you're able to do that and, and keep talking, then, then, you're, then you're okay for this hike. If an armchair visit to the site is more your thing. You can certainly Google them, but there is a wonderful book called A Geoscience Guide to the Burgess Shale, and it's um, a, a lovely literature. And there's also an accompanying website with some wonderful 3D interpretations of the organisms, and you can sort of slide in and out and take a look at life 500 million years plus ago. So um, mysteries half a billion years old. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.